Happy Tuesday, everyone. Great episode today with Drew Green, the CEO of Indochino. I think it's the first time that I have interviewed a non-founder CEO. Drew came into the company. As you'll hear, he came into the company um, well after it was started. Um, and he sort of had a mission to turn it around and increase margins and um, in a lot of ways just uh, fix fix some of the business. So it was a really fun conversation. It was great to learn. Uh, other than that, I hope you're staying safe. I hope you are following me on Twitter at Billy underscore Draper. Uh, I hope you're sending me recommendations for who I should be interviewing. And yeah, I hope you're having a great week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, love you all. You know, the, the business really needed capital. It was a business that had stagnated in growth for three years. I think their dagger was, you know, somewhere around 12%, you know, was losing a significant amount of money every month. And so, you know, raising capital was a big part of what I wanted to do. Welcome everybody to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I work in early stage venture capital. And on this show, we're gonna be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we have Drew Green, CEO of Indochino. Drew teaches us about taking over an existing business and steering it in the right direction. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. We have Drew Green, the CEO of Indochino. Drew, uh, Drew <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Uh, really great to be here. You can call me Drew if you want, no problem. Yeah, we'll go with Drew from here on out. Uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds like, um, like what's that movie, the space adventure movie? Uh, Groot uh, from the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right. That's right. So, Drew, to start out, I like to ask my guests simply, what do you do? What is Indochino? Well, Indochino has become the largest custom apparel brand in the world uh, these last five years. And, you know, something we're really, really proud of. We're entirely focused on, you know, custom apparel. Um, and that is, you know, clothing for men that, that fits uh, perfectly uh, for their body. That's personalized to their their style taste and is customized to some of the nuances of, you know, a suit or outerwear or khakis, the lines that we, we sell. We've really, really focused on uh, what I would say be, being available to everyone. You know, we've, we've worked so hard to, you know, ensure that we have a world-class supply chain that allows us to sell, you know, a luxury garment at what I call affordable luxury prices. And, and that's, that's been really important to our growth. You know, we are a nine-figure revenue company, have grown over 500% these five years. And it's it's been about, you know, having an omni-channel strategy. You know, we're, we were online only for many years. And five years ago, we committed to, you know, a, a new retail format that we call showrooms. And those showrooms provide our customers with the ability to come in, work with a style guide for an hour, and you know create 
their one-of-a-kind garment. So you are one of the few cases on this show where you didn't start the business. How did you come to be involved with Indochino and when? You know, just, I mean, really fortunate. So I, it's been, uh, I came in 2015. So, you know, right around five years ago and the business was, you know, what we all refer to now as a digitally native brand. Um, you know, what I would call a niche brand. Um, but something, you know, that I saw was, was super special. Uh, you know, when I think about, I've, I've been sort of in this space for my entire career for over 20 years. And when I think about, you know, some of the key attributes, I mean, number one, the entire why of the business was to solve, you know, the fit problem within apparel. And, and that is a problem for, you know, off the rack or ready to wear competitors. Um, and so I, I really liked the why of the business. Um, I also like the fact that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really sort of head on taking on Amazon and, and retail, as you know, you know, very few categories are left that that Amazon isn't either dominant in or, you know, really, uh, you know, investing in heavily to be dominant. And so, you know, that was another element. And then the third is just I saw, you know, a business that, again, was, you know, primarily online only and, and you know, an opportunity to really become an experienced brand by expanding into retail and in a showroom format. And did they reach out to you or did you reach out to them or had you, were you working within the company and then you were appointed to CEO? How did that all happen? Yeah, no, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And so I had, uh, you know, I had come off selling, uh, you know, a business and, or my part of the business and was really sort of going to take quite a bit of time. And Tom Stenberg, who was the chairman, he was the founder of Staples. Uh, and I, you know, sort of connected and really got along and, you know, he brought me in and, and unfortunately passed away shortly after. But uh, but no, I came in. I came in from the outside. And how has the how did the business uh, or I guess how was the business funded early on? How did did you raise outside capital? Did did the entrepreneurs sort of put their own money in? How How has it gone so far? Yeah, I mean, so we one of the first sort of mandates I had for myself. Uh, was to raise capital. The business, um, you know, had raised money uh, and perhaps didn't deploy that money uh, in the smartest of ways. Um, it's always hindsight's always twenty twenty, and it's easy to say that. But you know, the, the the business really needed capital. It was a business that had stagnated in growth for three years. I think their CAGR was, you know, somewhere around twelve percent. You know, was losing a significant amount of money every month, and so you know, raising capital was a big part of what I wanted to do uh, for the business. You know, I wanted to do it in a different way. And so what I did was I brought in strategic investors. And so, you know, between cash and in-kind, we've raised almost a hundred million over the last five years. One from our manufacturer in China, uh, one from a media company here in Canada, and then one from a, a multinational conglomerate by the name of Mitsui. And that really allowed us, you know, over the last five years, we've had a a compound annual growth rate of, you know, over uh, 40%, close to 45, actually. And, you know, really improved the profitability metrics of the business. I mean, our gross margin in 2015 was 35%. And this year is 52. And so, you know, we've really, we've turned this into a global brand. And it's something I'm pretty proud of. So you come in and it sounds like things were a little turbulent. When did it start to feel like, okay, I can breathe now. Things have started to level out. Um, you know, the, I, we're executing on this plan that I 
I had hoped at the outset that I could implement. Um, when did it start to feel like uh, the the wheels were turning? Well, I'm hoping that feeling comes in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It's uh, I mean, I, I am an entrepreneur. And so, you know, this is uh, this is different than starting your own business where, right. uh, you know, you deploy the capital, you decide on, you know, you know, sort of the burn rate, if you will, or the, the rate of investment per month. <clears throat> when you take over a business that's, you know, losing five to 700,000 US a month, <clears throat> it's very different, right? Because you've got to turn things around quite quickly. And so, you know, look, I, I've got a philosophy that you never, you never totally relax, you never be satisfied, you look for continuous improvement. Uh, the business is doing quite well and has for some time. But, you know, we want to build a multi-billion dollar business. So, there's lots and lots of things to do. Where are you based? We're based in, uh, and I'm sorry, I've got a bit of a cold. We're, That's we're, right. We're based in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, here in Canada. We've got um, you know, right around 800 employees across Canada and the U.S., and then about 2,700 or so working in our factories in China, which uh, which we also consider part of the family. And how many, so of the 800, how many are in the front office? Yeah, so we've, we've tried to maintain a really sort of startup lean approach. I mean, I think one of the most incredible stats in our business is that if you think about growing a business by over 500% in five years, our head office staff has only grown by about 40%. And so we've created incredible operating leverage in the business. We've been able to remain very, very lean, even though we we've expanded so rapidly. And, you know, that's something I'm really proud of. So, you know, we've got about 125 people here in headquarters. Uh, we've got a, uh, a dedicated and amazing uh, team in China of about 55 people. Uh, that's on the operations side, not including our factory. Uh, and then, you know, we've got obviously retail uh, staff across North America. We're at 52 showrooms as of, as of this week. And for the last five years, so it sounds like things have started to move up into the right sort of across the board. Where have you had success finding customers? Is it, was your whole implement, was a lot of the, is a lot of the success attributed to getting into the brick and mortar or is it, Hey, we came up with a whole different marketing strategy altogether. It's all of the above. I mean, you know, I've, I'm, I would say one of the main parts of my background is 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 media marketing, you know, uh, especially with digital media. Uh, and we've got a very, very rigid and and sort of concise way to deploy media. You know we're we're fairly big advertisers, just around twenty million u s. this year. And so it's not a small number. Uh, but we've we've become super, super efficient with it. So that's definitely been you know part of the journey uh, and part of the growth. Our online business is now, you know, triple the size of that it was, you know, five years ago. So we're seeing a lot of growth there. Seventy uh, percent of the entire business is driven through our online channel uh, in terms of sales and appointments to our retail locations. Um, and so it's, you know, it's a combination of a lot of things and a lot of, you know, what I would call, you know, priorities. I, I kind of set what I call the sort of five P's for the company uh, day one, and they still you know, they still ring in my head every morning, which is, you know, number one focus is people, 
Um, Got to have a great product. And so there's been a lot of focus there and a lot of improvement in our product. Partnerships is a way to accelerate a business. And we've been we've been frankly surgical with, you know, the partners that we've uh, that we've created benefit for and that have created benefit for us. Price was the fourth and then profit and, and making sure that, you know, as we scaled rapidly, uh, we were creating a path to profitability and 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 ultimately profitable. When you this is uh, this is fun for me because this is a little bit of a different uh, interview than I normally get to do. What what was your biggest challenge getting this? You take the helm. Uh, I'm sure it's not easy. Uh, I'm sure there are hard decisions that have to be made, whether they're made by the board or made by you. Um, what was the biggest challenge in your first year? Oh wow! You know, there's so many. To be honest, I mean. You know, look, I think I think the biggest challenge was the business, the business needed capital, right? And and like I said, I've started, you know, I've started software companies, uh, direct to consumer companies, but when you're burning, you know, when when you're losing money every month at the rate that we were losing, it creates a fairly stressful dynamic in terms of, you know, needing to strengthen the balance sheet, needing to you know capital to execute your plan. I very very quickly you know, put together a five-year plan and, and went out and raised capital. And I felt like, you know, we had a venture partner, we had a, you know, what I would call a private equity partner. It was really important for us to, to attract strategic capital that could drive the supply and demand, uh, you know, access to the business. And so, you know, that was probably the most stressful part of the first year was just getting that in place. And it, you know, it was kind of amazing. I said to... <laughs> I said to one of the directors, I said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out and in the first nine months, we're going to raise, you know, we're going to raise $30 million. And he kind of looked at me, he's like, what, you know, how are we, gonna, how are we doing that? Cause the business hadn't, you know, hadn't raised that much life to date. Right. And six months and six months later we raised $30 million and at a valuation, uh, you know, at a nine figure valuation, very healthy for shareholders, common share, just a very clean and 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 precise, you know, deal. Uh, that's obviously benefited that investor, but also had massive benefits for the company. And when you're, I guess, back to the uh, customers part of this, probably more fun uh, for you to talk about. How do you? One of the things that's so important about a business like this is, it's sort of like uh, Netflix, right? The customization is the key, and then once you have my body measurements or my sizes, then theoretically, I'm going to reorder and reorder and pick new fabrics and reorder. How yeah. much of your um, focus is spent on acquiring new customers versus like, let's, you know, get existing customers to buy new things? You know, I love that you made that analogy. It's it's one of the things that, you know, our core demographic uh, is millennials. And, you know, it's a wonderful demographic. You know, we built the business by, you know, communicating and selling to to to, to millennials. And I, you, you nailed it, right? Like if you're a millennial, you've grown up, you know, the TV you watch is personalized and, and customized for you. Your shopping experience on Amazon and other sites uh, continues to personalize and customize towards your buying behavior and tastes and and viewing. Uh, everything in your life has been customized uh, to who you are. And, and we're an extension of that, right? Like every garment we make is one of a kind. You know, if we, if you were to come into the showroom 
you're going to create a one of a kind garment that, you know, no one is ever going to have because it's yours. It fits your body. It has your customizations and personalizations. And so, you know, that has been the core of the business. I think for, for me, you know, look, when you're, when you're building a consumer business, you have to, you have to have loyalty with your, within your customer base. Right. And it's, you know, can't just be about loyalty points or loyalty rewards. You know, you have to ha deliver an amazing experience. And so we kind of focused on w what we call it was the Indochino value. And the Indochino value is really about quality at the best possible price through an extremely differentiated and fun experience. And that's created an amazing connection with our customers. You know, our, I think our number two channel for customer acquisition is referral. Um, you know, our repeat rates are, are well above, you know, industry averages um, or even above, you know, some of the best in the business. And so this business has been built on repeat purchase on lifetime value. But of course, you know, customer acquisition is really, really important. And I imagine weddings are a big market for you, too. I say that because I have been to your shop twice. One of the times was yesterday, which is very apropos for this interview. And both times were for groomsmen suits. Well, first of all, thanks for, for coming in. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, the wedding business is a, is a big part of our business. You know, a lot of our showrooms, like I said, we've got 52 uh, growing to over 80 showrooms this year. Um, you know, we have wedding lounges in our, in our, in our showroom and that allows for, you know, men to come in with their grooms, groomsmen and, and really, you know, uh, get, get suited out. The, the wedding market's an interesting one, right? Like it is, especially between now and let's call it June, July is extremely busy, especially the weekends. I mean, our showrooms are sold out, you know, every weekend now. Um, and a big part of that is the wedding, you know, is the wedding customer. The wedding customer, though, is different, right? And I would, you know, they're amazing, and we 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 love that we're part of that special day. But from a lifetime value, a lot of people buy suits for weddings and never wear a suit again, <laughs> right? right? So you got to be careful in terms of building, you know, building your entire business on that on that uh, cohort, but. You know, yeah, it's just a, it's a wonderful part of our business and something we're really proud of. So you, you know, it sounds like you've stabilized your margin or you've increased your margin. You've stabilized your burn. You've stabilized your ad budget. You've sort of t cut out a lot of the inefficiencies that were happening. What are the, where, where are you going to optimize from, from moving forward? Are you trying to, is, what are the core metrics that you care about? Is it, let's, let's cut down delivery time. Let's, uh, make the sizing faster? Uh, is it something around quality? Like what are the things that you're thinking about now? Yeah, so I think, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that we've done in the business that we haven't talked about. And you you kind of just brought up that were really, really important. Like delivery for us was a four or five week window, sometimes as many as six weeks. To me, I don't think, I, I didn't think you, you could operate, you know, a generational retail brand by delivering product in five weeks, not in the age where everybody gets it same day, next day. And so we've really taken great care in our supply chain to bring that down to where 98% of all orders last year were delivered in two weeks, 10% of orders were delivered in one week. And so that was a huge focus for us. And it'll continue to be, you know, something we optimize, but we've already made, you know, a huge amount of progress there. Um, 
you know, look, I, I'm a big believer in priorities. And if you have too many, uh, you know, you, you might have none. And so, you know, our priorities this year are pretty simple. You know, we want to continue to optimize our gross margin. You know, again, we've had a, uh, a 1700 basis point improvement in gross margin in the last five years. We want to see it. We want to see that improve and have some, have some focused initiatives and projects underway to do that. We have a major, major partnership announce, uh, announcement mid-month and launching end of month. That's end of March. That is uh, our second priority for the year. And it's going to be, it's just going to take our brand into another, into another league, into another level, uh, provide us a decade worth of growth. And so we're super excited about that. And that's, that's a second priority for the organization. And then the third is going to sound interesting, but, you know, we've been very, very, I would say almost ninja-like in terms of our media deployment, you know, very, very localized. Um, we've done some experimenting in, in terms of sport partnerships like the Yankees and Red Sox, uh, which will continue with the, with the Yankees and, and, you know, literally hundreds of athletes, but primarily most of our media has been local. And this year we're, we're going to expand our media. And so our third priority is media expansion, where we'll be deploying, you know, a fairly big number in terms of national media and, and wanting to do well with that. Is and and by that you mean TV, radio, et cetera. That's right. That's right. You know, when you, when you go from, you, you know, think about our business, we've gone from, you know, online to 10 DMAs to 20, you know, by the end of this year, we'll be in 14, excuse me, 48 DMAs across North America. And so we really want to layer our local media uh, and our targeted, our geo-targeted media. We want to layer, you know, national over that. Plus, we've just seen a huge amount of success with podcasts, you know, these last couple of years. And so, you know, we've got, we've got a fairly large uh, radio campaign running now. We've got TV coming out later this year. Um, it's kind of fun, you know, it's, it's, but that's the third priority. And how do you think about competition? So there are a few, I, I had uh, proper cloth on the podcast about a year or so ago. Uh, there's M Taylor out there. There are a few of these sort of, um, online first made to measure, uh, whether it's shirts, whether it's suits, um, how do you, how do you manage your, your, your sort of competitive landscape? You know, look, we we manage our competitive landscape by being uh, excellent. You know, we want to be the best. And we you know it's interesting because for probably four years ago, I said to the team, I said, look, you know, there's literally dozens of competitors out there that are doing, you know, five million, 10 million, 25 million, you know, a couple doing doing more than that, like 40 and 50 million. That's not our competition. Our competition is you know, the Macy's of the world, the tailored brand slash men's warehouse of the world, you know, folks that are doing, you know, millions of units within our categories is who I want to be focused on and who I want to look at as competitors. And that was a mind shift change, right? Because all of a sudden you're waking up and you're, you know, you're going out there and you're trying to slay dragons, right? Like it's, those are, those are big companies. And, you know, I, I really think that was a healthy reset for a competitive landscape because you know we you know this year alone we'll ship i don't know seven eight hundred thousand units um and so we've become we've become a formidable 
formidable player in, in the space. And how much of, of the business is the logistics of, you know, these suits are ordered for the most part primarily in, do you have, uh, are you mostly in North America? Yeah, I mean, 95, 96% of the business is canned in the U.S. You know, we do have a steady flow of international orders, but, you know, we're really focused on the U.S. and Canada. So, uh, how, so how much of a challenge is that arbitrage? Is that, you know, having those factories in China, the shipping, the creation, getting the measurements just right? Um, how much of a challenge is that process every little bit uh, of every little layer along the way. It is one of the most complex retail businesses on the planet, right? I Think can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're dealing with, you know, thousands of orders a day. Every order is, you know, you talk about fast fashion, right? And it coming out every two weeks, four weeks, six week turns. I mean, we're fast fashion on a daily basis, right? And so look, we've got, a, we are a retail business, but we, our technology company, you know, we're platform. Um, we enable and empower consumers to design their own apparel. And so the, the technology behind what we do is super, super important. And frankly, has allowed us to scale it. We, we could have gotten our online strategy, our media strategy, our retail strategy. We could have nailed that. But unless we tied it all together with amazing technology, and unless we figured out our supply chain in a meaningful way, which we have, and really created a differentiator through the supply chain, then we wouldn't be the company that we are. And so, you know, I, I just think as complex as our business is, it's really, really important to, you know, to nail the back end of it uh, because the rest will flourish if you do. And what is some advice you have for entrepreneurs getting started out there? What's what's some advice you wish someone had told you five years ago or or 15 years ago or whenever you started your first business? What is something that you lean on and think about a lot? You know, that's such a, I mean, I, I've obviously been asked this question and, and, and uh, you know, just sort of hearing it from you. I, I kind of take a step back. Like I, I used to be, you know, a lot about like dream big. Um, you know, make sure you, you set big goals for your organization, for your company, for yourself. And I think that I still think that that's important, but I've kind of adopted a strategy of go slow to go fast these last five years, you know, really thinking through, you know, the second, third and fourth layer of, of challenges, which are every challenge is essentially an opportunity. And so really taking your time, making sure that, you know, as you look at, uh, the opportunities in front of you that you're really maximizing them by not going too fast and not missing out on, on the execution. I, I think the one thing I've said consistently at, you know, whenever I've given, you know, talks or anything like that is the best strategy is execution, right? Like, you know, you can have the greatest plan in the world, but if you're not executing, uh, it doesn't really matter. And so, you know, make sure you're as an entrepreneur, at whatever scale you're at, make sure you're you're executing the hell out of the hell out of your plan. And uh, at the end, I like to do some fun ones. So, what is something on your bucket list unrelated to Indochino? Oh my goodness, uh, um, I you know I want to play in the NBA. I you know I don't. <laughs> I'm 45 years old, so that might have passed. Um, hey, you still got a shot there. Remember that movie, The Rookie, with Dennis Quaid? 
That's he right. He's like 40 going into the going into pitch for the major leagues based on a true story. Basketball would be harder. Basketball is super hard at 45, but right. I've got two boys that are that are elite athletes and elite basketball players, so maybe, you know, maybe they'll take that bucket bucket item. I don't really believe in bucket lists. I mean, I just I've got a wonderful life. I've got a wonderful family. You know, business is good. And when it's not good, it's still good. You know, life is good. And so I don't really I don't really have a checklist, man. I just I want to wake up every day and and, and make the most of it. Uh, okay, that's the first time someone has given that answer, which I appreciate. That's good. Yeah, when you when you want to do something, you find a way to do it. That's a good that's a good way to live life and a good philosophy. One thing that you brought up earlier uh, brings me to my second question, which is if you had a uh, you're about to do some big media media buys. Um, if you had a Super Bowl ad, uh, 30 or 60 second Super Bowl ad, who would you choose to represent Indochino and why? Oh, wow. You know, we've got a lot of incredible athletes that uh, that wear the brand. I don't know if you watch the NBA All-Star game, but, you know, the announcers couldn't stop talking about us. And, and obviously we're wearing the garments. So I did not watch the All-Star game. Well, we were all over it. And, uh, you know, look, I, I think I my mind went automatically to the teams and the athletes that play on those teams. You know, I, I, I grew up as an adult, you know, sort of, uh, a big fan of the Yankees. I think Derek Jeter is an amazing, you know, player and, and guy. I think he it would be cool to have him represent the brand. And then Tom Brady. You know, I'm a Pats fan, so you know, seeing uh, seeing Brady, you know, suit up would be would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think the Pats fans out there are hoping he suits up uh, next year as well. <laughs> um, Me too. Yeah. If you if you weren't running Indochino, what would you be doing? Uh, I would be, um, I'd be traveling throughout Africa right now. That's one of the things I really wanted to do that when this opportunity came up, I didn't get a chance to do. Um, there's a lot of, lot of things in Africa that I want to see and that I'm really attracted to. And so that's one of them. I think, I think, you know, look, I'm doing what I would be doing if I wasn't doing it, which is spending a lot of time with my boys. I got a 12 and a 14 year old and the number one job I have is being, you know, the best possible dad I can be. And so, you know, whether I'm doing Indochino or not, or any business or not, you know, they're the number one priority. Is 14 freshman in high school or eighth grade? Oh, yeah. You know what? I got to give Liam a shout. So my 14-year-old, is his name's Liam, and he just won the provincial championship last weekend, which is like winning your, you know, state championship. What was his stat line? You know what? I can't remember, but it was good. He got bucket. He got buckets. Yeah, man, he's he's a player. I mean, that's, he's that's he's, incredible. Yeah, he's he actually wants to go to school down near you. He wants to go to Stanford. Yeah, so, he's pretty he's good a, basketball at Stanford. It really is, and he's you know he's a ranked athlete, so hopefully he'll get a look. We'll see. That's really exciting, and that's gonna be really fun as a dad. It really is. It really is. It's a lot of fun. Well, I hugely appreciate you coming on, Drew. Thank you so much. Um, best of luck with everything. And uh, anything you want to plug? You know what, man? I just not not really. I, I thought this conversation was amazing. I really, really enjoyed it. And your questions were like just spot on. And it was really nice to meet you. So thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Great to meet you, too. And uh, best of luck with everything. Thank you, Drew. Okay, you take care, man. Bye-bye.
Thank you all for listening, and uh, I sincerely appreciate your support of the show. Um, please share the show, uh, subscribe, rate if you haven't already. Um, follow me on Twitter at Billy underscore Draper. Um, and we've started to record video of some of our interviews, so I'll be releasing that in snippets. Uh, share it if you find it interesting. Thank you. <laughs>